Welcome to Unlocking the Truth, a podcast where we discover God's truth for ourselves by studying His Word. Hello, and welcome back to the Unlocking the Truth podcast. We are going to continue our study through 1 John. Last time, Mark led us through an overview and gave us some information about uh, who John was and why he wrote the letter. And today we are going to look at the first chapter of 1 John. We're going to work our way uh, through the entirety of of this chapter. We're going to um, ask and answer some questions. um, And uh, we're going to see um, what happens when we uh, deny the truth. So we'll start at the very beginning. And John uh, chapter 1 verse 1 says, What was from the beginning? What we have heard what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life and the life manifested. And we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. John opens this first letter the same way he opens the gospel. What was from the beginning? The gospel of John opens by saying that in the beginning was the Word, was Jesus Christ. And so when he says here, what was from the beginning, he's talking about Jesus. He's talking about the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says, what was from the beginning, the gospel, Jesus, what we heard, what we saw with our eyes, what we looked at, what we touched with our hands concerning Jesus Christ, the word of life. John is laying out who he is. He was an apostle of Jesus Christ. He spent time with him. He listened to his teaching. Uh, He sat with him. He ate with him. He touched him. That he is, not only is he saying that he was an apostle of Jesus Christ, he's also giving evidence that Jesus Christ was in fact real. Verse 2 says, and the life was manifested, that something that was spiritual became physical. And that life, the word of life, Jesus Christ, was manifested. And again, we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life, the truth of the gospel, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. Jesus Christ was with the Father and was made into, manifested into Jesus Christ. And John says that he was manifested to us, to the apostles, to the disciples, and to us as believers. And he says, what we have seen and what we have heard in my time with Jesus Christ, the things he taught us and the things that we saw, we now proclaim to you. We pass on this message to you for a reason and for a purpose. That is so that you too will have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. John lays out the evidence for his apostleship, the evidence for the incarnation, the manifestation of Jesus Christ as man for a reason and for a purpose. And that is so that he can proclaim to us as believers what he saw and what he heard. And in that um, proclamation, what we have is his purpose and his reason to bring us, to bring the original readers and to us believers into fellowship, bring us into fellowship with him 
with the apostles and with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. This word fellowship, koinonia, an association with, in community with, in communion with. Some translate it as a part of or a share of a whole, of something uh, being a part of something bigger than ourselves. And he's inviting us into this fellowship, into this community with him and with our Father and with Jesus Christ. And in verse 4, he says, These things we write so that our joy may be complete. This is what makes the apostles and uh, our Father and his Son, Jesus Christ, this is what brings them the greatest joy, is that we as believers are in community with one another. This is what makes his joy complete is that believers come together, are in community with one another, and are uh, sharing with one another the love of Jesus Christ. A lot of times in our, in our churches, fellowship means coffee after the service. And, and while that is um, appropriate, while that, uh, that fellowship can happen there, uh, John's not talking about um, uh, talking about the weather or discussing uh, a sporting event. He's talking about real, deep, meaningful fellowship where we share our burdens, where we confess our sins, where we hold up one another in Christ and lift up one another in prayer. He's talking about a very deep and very true fellowship that is more than just sharing a cup of coffee, but true fellowship can happen over that cup of coffee. He moves on into uh, verse 5, and he says, This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you. So this is, this is it. He, he, he begins his proclamation. This is the message we have heard from him, and we now pronounce to you. This is why I write. This is what I have to say. This is the thing that we hear and, and saw and, uh, and, and touched from Jesus Christ, and now we give that over to you. And that message that we have heard and we announce to you is this, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. John takes his obligation and responsibility as a messenger, as an apostle, very seriously. The message is not his message. He doesn't say, here's what I want you to know. It's here is what we have heard from him. This is not John's message. It is the message of Jesus Christ. And God, in his wisdom, decided that man, these apostles, would bring this message to other men, to other people. Um, and the apostles' ambition is to be found faithful, to deliver the message that they received. This was their life's work, was to bring this message to anyone and everyone who could hear it. In fact, it was so important to them that, uh, with the exception of John, all of them died a martyr's death, died for the cause of bringing this message to people who needed to hear it. And so this message is an important one. And John is the, the last of uh, the original messengers. And so the message that he brings us is that God is light, and in him 
there is no darkness at all. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. He is pointing us to who God is. He is informing us of God's nature, that he is light. And it is God who is light. Uh, we know who, who created light, who called light into being simply by using his words when he said, let there be light. John is talking about the excellency of God's divine nature, that he is light. He is all beauty, that he is perfection, that he is all purity and wisdom and holiness and glory, and he is the absolute fullness of perfection. He is perfect and pure light, and in him there is no darkness, free from any defect or imperfection. There is no nothing being mixed with this light. There is nothing being added to this light. There is nothing being, this light isn't being filtered through anything. There is nothing contrary to the light. God is light, complete and full, and nothing in about him is not light. Nothing about him is darkness. There is no shadow within him. And so if this is true about God, then John goes on to, to say three different things. If we say we have fellowship, if we say uh, we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, if we say we have no sin, if we say we have not sinned, these are in direct competition with the truth of God that he is light. So let's look at these three denials of truth. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness is a denial of truth. If we say we have fellowship with him, then there is no way that there can be any darkness. If God is light, perfect and pure, then we cannot say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness. God's perfect light does not allow for darkness. And so if we are walking in darkness, then we are not in fellowship with him. And this, uh, this thought of walking in darkness, notice it doesn't say that if we say we have fellowship with him and yet we sin every once in a while, or if, if we still um, uh, falter, or if we still succumb to temptation. He's talking about, when he says walk in the darkness, he's talking about a long process. He's talking about a life that is characterized by. He's talking about an ongoing, habitual, unrepentant sin. A walk is not a moment. A walk, and we see this in, when Paul talks about walking as well, that a walk is, is about living life, how we live life. So if we live our life in darkness, if we live our life in sin, then we cannot be in fellowship with God who is light. He goes on into verse 7 and says, If we have no sin, if we say that we have no sin, if we claim that we have no sin, that there is no way that we can sin because grace abounds so sin is no longer real. 
If we say things like, it's okay if I sin because I'll just ask for forgiveness and then it's like I never did sin. Or if we think that we can't sin because I'm a child of God and because God is fully gracious and God is all forgiving, then then it doesn't matter how I live my life because God is simply just going to forgive those sins anyway. That is also a denial of the truth of the light of God. The last one is if we say we have not sinned. If we say we have not sinned. And remember that John is dealing with a combating philosophy and religion of what would what will become Gnosticism. And, and Gnosticism uh, covers a whole host of things, and one of them is the idea of moral relativism, that, that what is wrong for you may not be what is wrong for me, of self-justification, that I can, I'm allowed to do this, I'm allowed to, to sin like this because it's really not that bad. So these are the three denials of truth. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet we say we have no sin. If we say we have fellowship with him and if we say we have not sinned. These are three denials of the truth. And John tells us that there are uh, are both consequences of this denial, but there is also hope for those uh, who who believe these denials of truth. So if we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, verse 6 says that we lie and we do not practice the truth. Because if we say we have fellowship with him, that means that we are saying that we have seen the light, that the light has been turned on. And what light does, light does a number of things, but what it does is it reveals what was hidden. It shows us what is hidden. It shows us the truth. And just because we want to, we can no longer claim not to know the truth if it has already been revealed to us. If the if we say we have fellowship with him, the light is on. And we cannot say that we do not know the truth. We cannot say that... Um, that that we didn't know. Light reveals the hidden truth of who God is and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when that light has been turned on, we can no longer claim that we didn't know the truth. If one continues to habitually sin, then that person is still in the darkness. And if someone is still in the darkness, then they do not have fellowship with God, who is light. And that's why he says that we lie and we do not practice the truth. What's important here is John doesn't say that they are mistaken. It is an intentional lie. They know the truth, but they refuse to acknowledge that it's true. The second consequence, the denial of uh, if we say that we have no sin, the consequence is that we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. When we say things like we have no sin, it means that we claim to live a perfect life, that we are claiming to live without sin. 
And all that is, is a form of, of legalism. All that is, is saying that I know what God wants me to do, and I will live that way. And that sounds like living according to the law, not living according to grace, that I will be sinless through my own will, not depending on the grace of God, not leaning on, uh, on, on the salvation, the gift that God gives us through his son, Jesus Christ. If we say that we have no sin, if we say that I can do it on my own through my own uh, sheer will, that I have no sin, then we're lying to ourselves. And how silly does that sound, that we lie to ourselves? We know the truth, but we're lying to ourselves or tricking ourselves to think that we don't need God, that we don't need the gift of grace, that we are not sinners in desperate need of a Savior. But that is the truth of the gospel, is that we are sinners in need of a Savior, and God, knowing this, sent us his Son, came himself, as John said, manifested as the word of life. So if we say that there, that we have no sin, we're actually uh, claiming a form of legalism or living according to the law, that I can live without sin on my own. What we're doing is denying our sin nature, that left to myself, I can live a life free of sin. And we know that that is simply not true, that God gave the law to show us that we have sin. Hebrew says the law was a tutor to show us our sinfulness. When we say that we have no sin, we are saying that we are denying the truth of our sin nature. And if we don't have a sin nature, then we have no need for grace. We have no need for the gospel. We have no need for Jesus Christ on the cross. That all of that accomplished nothing. To say that we have no sin, that we are free from sin, means that what Jesus Christ did was meaningless, had no purpose, and didn't accomplish anything. We are sinners in need of a savior. This is the truth of the gospel. And the last denial of truth, uh, if we say we have not sinned, the consequence is that we are making him, God, a liar, and his word is not in us. And this is when we say things like, well, that may be wrong for you, but it's not wrong for me. That may be a sin for you, but that's not a sin for me. And what what people do in this idea of moral relativism is they create an environment that validates their own sin pattern, that any behavior they have is right because it's right for them. If it feels good, then how can it be bad? If it's something that I want so badly, why can't I just have it? Wouldn't God want me to be happy? It cannot be sin. Or for me, it just isn't sin. I don't have the same convictions as you, so it's not sin for me. They say things by saying, well, it's not really that bad, or it's not as bad as a different kind of sin. And uh, people who, who say, we, say that we have not sinned, um, the way that they justify it is they compare themselves to others. 
They could say, well, sure, I, I guess I'm not perfect, but I'm not as bad as my neighbor. You should see the things that he does. Or, or sure, I may sin, but I'm certainly not as bad as that as, as my coworker. You should hear some of the things that she says. So they compare themselves to others. And in doing so, they say that, well, my sin can't be that bad because it's not as bad as what someone else is doing. It would be like if you're driving and you are speeding and you're pulled over by a police officer. And when he says, do you know how fast you're going? You say, yeah, but you should have saw that guy that passed me. He was going even faster. What do you think that officer is going to do? He's not going to get in his car and go find that other person. He is going to write you a ticket that you still broke the law. And when it comes to God and our sin, we can't simply say to God, yeah, I know I'm a sinner, but you should deal with this person more before you deal with me, that this person's sins are worse than mine. That's not how it works. God looks at our heart and doesn't compare it to everyone else's. God looks at our heart and compares it to his requirement for righteousness. And we will never live up to God's requirement for righteousness. And what is truly beautiful about who God is, is that he knows that. And so he gives us a way to become righteous. So we had the three denials of truth. If we say um, that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, if we walk, uh, if we say we have no sin, or if we say we have not sinned, those three denials of the truth, uh, lead to us as being uh, people who lie and do not practice the truth, that we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us, or we say that God is a liar and his word is not in us. His word, his son Jesus Christ, is not in us. But John doesn't leave us hanging. He gives us hope. In verse 7, he says, well, if we walk in the darkness, uh, we lie and do not practice the truth. But, verse 7 says, if we walk in the light... As he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, cleanses from all sin. This is the hope that we have in the gospel, that instead of walking in the darkness, we can walk in the light, the light of God, Jesus Christ. And we can walk in that light as he himself, Jesus Christ, is in that light. And in that, we get to have fellowship. We are brought into this fellowship that John says makes his joy complete into the fellowship with one another. And the blood of his son cleanses us from all sin. Does not allow us to walk in darkness anymore. The light is turned on. Verse 9 gives us hope if we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves from the truth, and the sin is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He is faithful. God is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from unrighteousness. What is God faithful to? God is faithful to his word, to the word of the gospel. He is faithful to the redemptive work of his son, Jesus Christ. He is faithful to the fact that when Jesus was hanging on that cross, that our sins were upon him. 
And our sins are forgiven because of his blood. He's faithful to the redemptive work of his son. But he's not just faithful to forgive us. He is just to forgive us. You see, sin must be answered for. Sin must be answered for. Uh, The word tells us that the wages of sin is death. What we earn from our sinful life is death, a separation from God. And so when he says that he is just in forgiving our sins and cleansing us from all unrighteousness, that there still needs to be an answer for our sin. For us, for us, the forgiveness of sins is free, but for God and for Jesus, it is not. He takes our sins, God takes our sins, and places them on Jesus, who suffers our punishment. So Jesus does not get what he deserves. He gets what we deserve. And he suffers our punishment, but we receive his righteousness. So Jesus doesn't get what he deserves. He gets what we deserve. And we don't get what we deserve. We get what is not rightfully ours, but we get what is rightfully Christ's, that his righteousness is put upon us, so that when we stand before God, he no longer sees us as sinful, but he sees us as those who have been made righteous. 1 John chapter 1 reiterates the truth of the gospel, that which was from the beginning. He gives us the truth about who God is, that he is light, and in him there is no darkness. And then what John is doing is he is combating the, um, the philosophy of the day, that there are people out there who are saying, yes, I am in fellowship with God, and yet they continue to live in sin. There are people out there who are saying, well, that I have no sin, that I am capable of living a life that is free from sin, and that there are people who are saying it's okay to sin because God is just going to forgive my sin anyways. And he's also combating this idea that um, that we can say that we have not sinned, that, 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 that we can just justify our way uh, out of our sin that we can claim that we're well it's just it's just not that bad or it's not as bad as someone else's sin um, or when someone is telling us this is not the way a believer should live we can say to them well that may be right for you but I don't believe that or that's not true for me or that's not how I interpret that and so uh, we create for ourselves uh, an environment that allows us to sin but we can think to ourselves um, that we actually don't. So John opens this, uh, this letter um, by, by focusing us on, on Jesus Christ, that which was from the beginning. Uh, he wants us to uh, be in fellowship with him. This is what makes his joy complete. And, he, and he's trying to combat these new philosophies of the day that are actually taking people away from being in fellowship with God. Uh, um, I hope you enjoyed this teaching today. Uh, I hope that it was informative and that you learned something. Uh, Let's close in prayer. Gracious God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your servant, John, uh, who brings us the truth, that he um, tells us that Jesus Christ was, in fact, 
a, uh, a person, a living being, that he was the manifested uh, son, and, um, and that his desire was for us to be in fellowship with one another and to be in fellowship with you and to be in fellowship with your son. And he found it necessary to, um, to talk to, to speak to um, the, the philosophies that were leading people away from being in fellowship with you. Almighty God, I pray that if, uh, if we were um, listening to uh, these denials of truth, and felt and knew that we, in fact, were guilty of them. We are thankful that there is still hope in, uh, in walking in the light, in confessing our sins. Uh, and the hope is ultimately that you are faithful and you are just to do and be who you said that you are. We truly are grateful for your son. We thank you uh, for all that you have given us through him. We pray this all in his name. Amen. For more information on Precept Ministries Canada, visit us online at www.preceptministries.ca or call us at 877-234-2030.